0: I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely. I get things wrong, but I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. I'm interested in finding out what the truth is. And I'm interested in having interesting conversations with people that have differing opinions. Um, I'm not interested in only talking to people that
1: uh, have one perspective. That's Joe Rogan responding to the recent misinformation controversy around his podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, the biggest podcast globally on Spotify and consistently the most listened to show in Canada a controversy that motivated artists like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell to demand removal of their catalogs from the streamer and prompted Spotify to jettison more than 40 episodes of JRE. Signal Hill Insights decided to dig deeper into the court of public opinion. And so on this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we welcome back Jeff Vidler to talk about their latest research, Spotify, and the state of podcasting in Canada. Before we get to Joe Rogan, Jeff, I'd like to start with a brief look at the overall state of podcasting in Canada. Do you want to start with year-over-year growth?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing continued growth of podcast listening in Canada since we started doing this study back in 2017. it's really been incremental growth year by year. This year, actually, we saw it bump up a little bit more. It went from 27% of all adult Canadians saying they listen to podcasts at least once a month to 29% this year. The One thing that was really interesting is that we saw a marked increase in French Canada as well. Um, That's usually kind of held back podcast listening overall, is that there's been a lack of content um, in French Canada. We started to see more content, more podcasts that people were listening to in Quebec, in French Canada, um, French Canadian podcasts last year. And we can see that people were spending more time with podcasts in French Canada. But this year, we also saw some really sharp growth in terms of people who were listening to podcasts in the past month. So it's really caught on um, in French Canada. And that's really helped push those numbers up. I mean, in in Canada, we're actually up, um, you know, in in English Canada, we're up over 31% now. Still isn't as high as English Canada, but certainly, you know, making up what was really a big difference, almost a two to one difference in the past.
1: So my next question was going to be, has the industry effectively managed the growth that it's experienced? And what are some of the challenges that that's presented?
0: You know, there's a lag in a sense behind the amount of listening to podcasts that's going on the amount of advertising dollars that are going to podcasts. Uh, and that's, I guess, understandable. It's a new medium. People are still learning how to use it. But you know, if you were to look at just sort of share of listening that's going to podcasting and then equate that to the share of all commercial audio, you can see there's still a very big gap to close. Even in the US where advertising growth has been phenomenally robust over the last few years, it's like Moore's Law, of podcast advertising is doubling every two years. Well, in Canada, you know, scale isn't there in the same way to put together a podcast buy with still what is a very niche medium for the most part is a difficult thing to do. But in the last year or so, we're starting to see the kind of growth um, in ad sales. Um, don't have firm figures on it yet, but certainly all of those working in the space are seeing very strong sales now relative to what they had last year or the year before. So we're kind of at maybe where the US was, if you go back sort of three years ago or four years ago in in, in having the ad dollars start to catch up to uh, podcast consumption. But still, I mean, WARC, GWI released a study last year, a global study, and identified that of all the media, podcasting was the biggest gap between ad dollars spent and consumption. But it is catching up, particularly, say, in the U.S. But it's it's starting to catch up in Canada as well.
1: In terms of platform growth, one of your blog posts toward the end of 2021 addressed the growth of YouTube. And you called it the elephant in the room. Because according to the latest Canadian podcast listener survey, that validated that YouTube has solidified itself as a go-to platform for podcast listening.
0: I mean, YouTube is a go-to platform for entertainment and information for so many people um, and, and so widely used um, that it isn't that surprising that people, when they're going for their podcast, will go to YouTube for the podcast, even if there's really no visual there. It may only be a card that's up of the podcast that they want to listen to, uh, they isn't even necessarily watching it. But um, if that's where you kind of live is on on YouTube, then often you're looking for your podcast there as well. If you you know go by that old adage of you know um, wherever you find your favorite podcast, well you know a lot of podcasts you know find that it is helpful to have an outlet there, even if it's just a trailer of what they offer um, on the downloads as well, because you know there are people who who effectively live on on YouTube, and that's their go-to destination for entertainment. It's Google. It's Google search. It's easy, and we will see. And I mean, you know, this year we should get an indication of what what Google has in mind. But Google Podcast has not been as a podcast platform has not been a particularly successful one. They really sort of rank third or fourth um, in any measure that you can see, well behind Spotify, behind Apple Podcasts, and even behind YouTube. So the speculation that because so many eyeballs or ears are going to YouTube um, for podcasts that that Google will become really the the Google podcast will be um, on, on YouTube. Um, but it'll be easy to see how all that takes place. Will that be downloaded podcasts? if it is? Because right now, if you're watching a podcast on YouTube, you're not downloading it in the same way that you are and that you can monetize um, um, in the industry. And that's one of the real gaps, actually, if, you know, you know YouTube has a whole different advertising model than podcasts, too.
1: Right. I mean, are you downloading your podcasts though, Jeff? Because I know I'm not. I'm streaming them for the most part.
0: Ah, that's it's an interesting, you know, and we've seen in our study is that more and more people are not necessarily downloading their podcasts so that they can listen to them later. They're simply going to the podcast and pressing play. And that's what you're talking about, right? That's right. Well, you know, in all of your other podcast apps, when you do that, you are still actually doing a progressive download of that podcast. So that's still counting as a download that um, you can then monetize. Um, and, you know, there was a time when, you know, the idea of streaming through a progressive download of a podcast really sucked into your data charges. So people wanted to download everything first so they could listen to them, you know, wherever they were without it having to um, to stream it or or to have that progressive download happening where they were. Um, but data charges aren't what they used to be. Um, and also a lot of people consume their podcasts where they have Wi-Fi. 60% of all podcast listening really taking place in the home. And and that's even before pandemic. And that's bumped up during the pandemic um, as well.
1: So I want to segue here to the Joe Broken experience, which has long been the most listened to podcast in Canada. Could you illustrate for us just how big it's been?
0: When we ask monthly podcast listeners to identify up to 10 podcasts that they've listened to in the past month, over the last three years, and it's very little bit from year to year, roughly 10% of all monthly podcast listeners say that they have listened to Joe Rogan podcast in the past month on a top of mind basis. They type it in um, as a podcast that they've listened to. For comparison's sake, the number two podcast, again, depends on the year, maybe three or 4%. So it's more than twice as big as the next biggest podcast. And it's been that way now for four years. Um, in our first year in 2017, actually, it was the number two podcast. This American Life was the number one podcast. But in the, in, since that time, been the number one podcast and, and by big margin over the last three years in particular, even with its switch to Spotify as an exclusive podcast back in 2020.
1: I was going to ask you, outside the most recent controversy and your recent research, as of the Canadian Podcast Listener Survey in 2021, was there any indication that going exclusively to Spotify had eroded his standing at all?
0: It's interesting to ask the question because we also asked the question as well to people whether, you know, uh, if they had listened to Joe Rogan Experience Podcast in the past two years and if they had, you know, are they now listening to it more or less since it became exclusive on Spotify? Overall, of all the people who say they listen to a Joe Rogan podcast um, in the past couple of years, there was you know sort of a net negative of about six percent said that you know we're more likely to say that they they listened less rather than more. If you sort of took the percentage of people listening less and, and, and subtracted the those who are listening more, you end up with 6%. Now, and it varied by platform, as you might expect. You know, if, you know, for, for Spotify listeners, well, you know, they were more likely to listen to Joe Rogan because, you know, they have their phone in front of them and Joe Rogan is, every time they go to listen to music or a podcast, they see Joe Rogan's face and there's obviously, you know, um, is made, you know, him available to an audience that he, where he wasn't on before. He had actually stayed away from Spotify until the exclusive deal went through in 2020. But interestingly, it had no impact on people who are Apple Podcast listeners. So they either, you know, listened to an Apple Podcast before or they're going to Spotify to listen to it now. And YouTube, there was a negative impact. You know, he was available on YouTube and on other podcast apps, excluding Spotify. Um, and those people who did access Joe Rogan on YouTube do say they're listening to him less than they were before. But all in all it 's really only a marginal decline in terms of you know people who have listened to Joe Rogan uh, now versus that, and the reach figure that we see um, has stayed roughly the same, so he 's been growing audience at the same time, if you know what I mean so yeah there's a difference a shift if you like from uh, from people listening to different platforms, but fundamentally it's it 's really stayed pretty constant
1: so given the most recent controversy with Neil Young. You've conducted a survey of Canadian Spotify users in early February about how the Rogan controversy is impacting use of Spotify. Can you talk about the parameters of your research?
0: Sure. I mean, it was, was, I think, 24th of January when um, it started to uh, really bubble up. Neil Young had made a statement about having his podcast on Spotify within a couple of days. His music was pulled out of Spotify after he requested that it be taken down. It was a big story there for a few days, and then it just kept kind of growing. And so we thought, you know what? This is not just sort of going away. This is not a 24-hour news cycle story. It seems to be building. How do people feel about this controversy, about Joe Rogan? A bit of history on this is that, you know, the... What Neil Young saw was um, an open letter that had been written by medical professionals, 270 of them, um, as a letter to Spotify asking them to take down the content. And they were referring in particular to an interview with Dr. Malone back in in December, who was a virologist, but made some what they considered to be misinformation about COVID that they thought was dangerous. Neil Young saw that, and then other artists followed suit. You had Joni Mitchell, you had... Um, Neil Zofgren, you um, had Crosby and Steele and Nash want to get off of a Spotify, and you had India Ree, you had other artists as well chiming in. So one week later, and though this is before, you know, because the news story was had new developments every day. So before the there were some comments about him using the N word on podcasts going back several years ago, hadn't broken yet, um, but this was just in response to the controversy around the misinformation or alleged misinformation on the show and we want to know how the public felt about it um, was this something that people feel in general that 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 you know he should be free or that show should be free to put on any kind of content that they feel their audience is interested in did they feel that spotify needed to exert editorial control or, you know, did they um, feel, you know, kind of line up with some of the things that, you know, both Rogan and Spotify had suggested? Rogan saying, well, I'll, I'll do better to get other points of view um, on my show. Um, or Spotify saying, well, well, we'll post a warning where there's COVID information on a podcast uh, so that people can uh, judge for themselves whether they should listen or not. Um, so we asked that question and we did a survey of Canadians, 1,515 Canadians online survey using Maru Voice Canada and asked them how they felt about that. Where did they sit sort of on that spectrum? And in Canada, of those who had an opinion, and there were 26% who said, I don't know enough about the issue, had an opinion. But at this point, sort of one week into the news cycle, 74% had an opinion. And 50%, more than 50% of those said that they thought that Spotify should exert editorial control um, on the podcast. A smaller figure um, who really opted for any of the other alternatives, including that Joe Rogan should be free to offer any content he wanted. We also thought it would be helpful, and we then dug in a little bit deeper, and I'll get to that in a second. But we also thought it would be helpful to ask the same question to Americans. And this has got kind of interesting. You kind of see the difference. Um, between Canadians and Americans is that you know in the US, it was much more evenly split. You had almost as many, not quite, um, who felt that Joe Rogan should be free to put any content on his podcast that he thought his audience would be interested in, and a slightly larger percentage who said that they thought Spotify should exert editorial control um, over their podcasts. But it, it got even kind of more interesting when you, you sort of dug inside that And looking in at Canada, at people who listen to Joe Rogan, how do they feel about it? How about podcast listeners who didn't listen to Joe Rogan? And we saw incredibly different polarized results. And you really see a lot of polarization there as far as those who, you know, listen to Joe Rogan, they were overwhelmingly saying that he should be free to put whatever whatever content he wants on his program. You know, some of them saying that, yeah, you know, he should have opposing points of view from time to time. But certainly overwhelmingly, they wanted Joe Rogan to be free to say whatever he wanted. Other podcast listeners who don't who never listen to Joe Rogan, well, it was almost the reverse. Um, so you really do see kind of Two points of view on that based around Joe Rogan, probably more than any kind of statement about what people should have on podcasts in general. And we also asked, and kind of important question, we want to understand among, again, Canadian who were Spotify users, whether they had a paid subscription or not. Um, what impact they felt this had on their feelings about being on Spotify. For most of them, and and you know, we're talking, you know, almost two-thirds said really had no impact, whether you're a paid subscriber or whether you were using the free ad supported service. But there was a third who were either thinking of maybe seeking out other alternatives or had, you know, in the case of, you know, about 10% of the subscribers said that they'd already made plans to cancel their subscription. Um, and you can see that you know there were, you know, a similar percentage who said they've already started shifting their streaming elsewhere. So this is only one week after the controversy had. And again, who knows where it will all land because the news cycle ends and people may just go back to the listening they've had before. But we also saw that two percent of those Spotify users um in total had Paid subscription, but said they had specifically canceled because of this. So it was clearly having some kind of impact. And again, early in the game, lots has happened since the end of the day, depend really on how Spotify reacts to this or how Rogan reacts to this to see where all of this will land. But it's definitely, I think, a cautionary tale for any distributor of content to then also hitch their wagon so tightly to a particular. Podcast. Um, I mean, Spotify has made Joe Rogan exclusive uh, and they got exclusive licensing deals to sell his podcast inventory to advertisers. Uh, And it's a really linchpin in their whole podcast strategy. So it's put them in a very difficult position. They can't just suspend him or fire him as they, you know, because he's so important to their overall monetary strategy. You know, they're trying to walk this line of saying, we. Creators should be free, but you know we need to also exert some controls over what's going on, but in a fairly hands-off way. And, And we still haven't seen that resolved yet.
1: I think there's a couple of interesting findings there. One is that people really don't like this sort of moderate approach that Spotify has taken, and secondly that Joe Rogan is an emblematic tipping point for all political polarization. Those who don't like him are more turned off, and those who are loyal listeners are more interested in tuning in to his show now.
0: I I mean, that was the last question we asked was, you know, has this controversy affected your interest in listening to Joe Rogan experience. And we had more than 50% of the Joe Rogan listeners, past month listeners, saying, I'm now more interested in listening to Joe Rogan. And those who have never listened to Joe Rogan, now more than 70% saying they're less interested. So that's what you're talking about. That's the polarization. They're doubling down on this, in effect, right? So again, this hasn't really played itself out all the way.
1: I, I feel like there's a thesis in here for somebody about Joe Rogan's place in you know the current political climate. Is there a cautionary tale in terms of making your podcast exclusive to one platform here?
0: I'm not sure if it's just about making the podcast exclusive to the platform. I think it's about the fact that you are a platform and you have all of these other things attached to that platform. You have all this music attached to it and people who are listening for music and all these artists who have put their music on your service. You have all these other podcasters. You have so many different pieces to this. And a, a linchpin like this that can have that kind of impact can cause a lot of collateral damage along the way. And, and I think that's the, that's the really you know, tight rope that Spotify is working. Working right now, walking along right now, and you they're going to have to be very careful, um, because you know it, it, there's there's definitely danger there um, to get to the other side. But how they're going to deal with this and 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 where they land on it eventually, but it'll be really interesting to see.
1: Outside of the Joe Rogan experience, was there a lot of movement in the top ten listened to podcasts in Canada, particularly in light of growth across all demos?
0: There's there's been change there, really dramatic change. If we go back to 2017, um, you go back to 2017, most of the podcasts in the top 10, excluding Joe Rogan, which was the number two podcast at that time, were were really you know from the public radio side of things. You had podcasts like. This American Life, you had CBC radio podcasts and, and other you know, serial too, which was produced by the This American Life people. But again, they'd come out of public media. So they're very strong kind of narrative podcasts, um, very much the kind of thing that you would hear on NPR in the US or CBC in Canada. Really, Eight of the top 10 podcasts really kind of fit that profile. If we go to 2021 and see what's in that top 10, we see a much different uh, collection of podcasts. Um, you see the number one podcast being Joe Rogan, um, but you also see other you know, conversation podcasts. Um, and again, Joe Rogan is essentially a conversation podcast, um, but you know, Conan O'Brien, Smartless, um, another podcast that's emerged in the top 10 over the last couple of years. Um, which are conversation podcasts or celebrity podcasts. I mean, Conan O'Brien is a celebrity. Uh, So were the the guys in Smartless and true crime too. More, you know, we had Serial. Then we now have three true crime podcasts uh, in the top 10 this year. So you can kind of look at it. You can see that there's crime, there's conversation, and there's uh, some controversy in there as well. Um, Joe Rogan being not the only one, but there are are other controversial podcasts. uh, Call Her Daddy um, is one that is in the top 10 as well. Um, which uh, is a new podcast, had a lot of controversy around her. It's kind of like Cosmo for podcasts, but there was a lot of controversy around her and the publisher of Barstool Sports the year before. So um, so yeah, a very different picture. And it's a reflection really of how the amount of podcasts, how many more podcasts are available. I mean, if you go back to 2017, most of the podcasts that were available were in that kind of public radio mold. Now you have celebrities jumping in. You, It's a different profile, not only of listeners, because honestly, it still is a young, well-educated, affluent listener. That hasn't really changed since 2017. But the podcasts that are available and that you know, they listen to has changed.
1: In terms of pandemic listening, with the country continuing to see waves of partial restrictions, what are the indications about how that's affected listening habits?
0: It actually doesn't seem to have any really dramatic impact on podcast listening in general, um, both in Canada and the U.S. I see the same pattern of growth um, for podcast listening uh, from before the pandemic to where you see it now. Um, it obviously changed people's podcasting habits. You know, a relatively small proportion, but nonetheless, an important proportion, about one third of podcast listening um, was being done while people were commuting. Well, obviously, commute levels dropped down, particularly for those working from home. And actually, podcast listeners are, you know, sort of index above average and being the people who are now working from home. But what's happened is the the day has flattened out a little bit, a little bit more listening to podcasts in the middle of the day. And and podcasts always has been, you know, something that a lot of people listen to at night as well. Um, And again, a lot of it at home. Um, So it seemed like that distribution changed a little bit, but podcasting uh, habits changed as well. But there were people finding, you know, maybe people, you know, one of the theories is that people sort of tired of looking at screens, the TV screens or video screens or streaming, found podcasts a nice relief from that. And that may be part of it. But in any case, it hasn't seemed to have stopped what was really steady incremental growth year after year after year.
1: So, do you have any predictions for the industry for the coming year, Jeff?
0: I think it's going to be a, a really interesting year um, when we look at podcasting. I mean, you know, one of the real challenges for podcasting now is, uh, and it's, and it's the, the best kind of challenge, is that you know, more and more advertisers are coming into podcasting and, and showing more and more interest. Uh, in podcasting, there's demand there, but it's it's a little harder to meet than it used to be it, you know most of the podcast advertising that built the industry was done with direct response advertisers having relationships with individual podcasters. They would you know give the podcaster the host uh, a list of copy points um, of their product and maybe Give a special discount code to the listeners to that podcast, and and they would go online and use that code and purchase the product. It was a very kind of one to one relationship between the advertiser and the and the host. You know, and it's a very powerful form of advertising because the connection that podcast listeners make to their hosts are really tight people love their podcasts and they love their podcast hosts and they pay attention to what the podcast uh, hosts use and uh, like or what they use in everyday life and they like it when the podcast hosts have fun with the ads as well but that's a, a one type of advertising that's really difficult for you know you think of major brands like ford or you know state farm or you know large companies they that's not really the kind of advertising they do they aren't really that interested in giving promo codes for people to go and buy insurance or buy a car what they're trying to do is develop and build awareness for their brands and for them they're also looking at getting you know they're looking at individual podcasts they're looking to to buy enough podcasts to get some kind of reach across a podcast audience And that means it's hard for these host read ads to be as effective just in terms of making them scalable. Um, There is dynamic ad insertion, which does make it easier to also access that host back catalog and all of that as well. But the challenge facing the podcast industry is how do you meet that demand that increased advertiser demand with ads that are equally as powerful as host reads. And I think it will you know, take the industry in some new areas and truly and really trying to explore how they can find ads that work specifically for that medium, if not as effectively as host reads, close to host reads. Because the one thing that I think the industry does understand is that podcast listening is very different than radio listening. It's an intimate um, listening experience. People listen over headphones. They aren't listening over speakers. It's not like a radio commercial that you have to kind of have yourself heard across the room. You've got them in their headphones or their earbuds or their AirPods, and you need to approach them on a different kind of level than you would with the radio. And you can't throw a jingle for a car dealer uh, onto a podcast and really expect it to do anything but really annoy the podcast listener. And podcasting has benefited at this point from that really special relationship uh, between the advertiser is seen as supporting their favorite podcasts um, and the listener itself. And and so it's for the industry to meet that advertiser demand without kind of spoiling um, what's made podcast advertising so effective to this point. That's going to be the interesting challenge to see how the industry responds to that.
1: I think there are a lot of mid-size or smaller podcasts who've kind of been you know, hanging on feeling like maybe they're missing out on the podcasting swell and still aren't really monetizing effectively. Do you have any advice for those
0: podcasters? I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons that people do podcasts, not all of them are trying to necessarily get big advertising dollars. Sometimes it's about promoting your personal brand. And again, you know, with people accessing podcasts on YouTube, if you're just interested in building your personal brand, not necessarily making lots of money from it, then YouTube, you know, can be effective for that too. And being on YouTube uh, as part of that can be effective or you know maybe you're a financial advisor and you just want to do a podcast to um, share your advice with you know um, all of your customers well you're not necessarily looking for advertising dollars but you're doing it for your business and to help promote your business and i think that for a lot of entrepreneurs there's the same thing it's a matter of getting profile and building relationship and engagement with um, a listening base so i think you know for a lot of mid-level or even low level podcasters, there's real value in the medium for doing that. As far as the mid-level ones who have a mid-level audience, I, I think that it's important to kind of wait for that advertiser demand and wait for the ad technology to filter down so that you are able to share in some of those ad more of those ad dollars that are coming into the medium. So if you're plugging away, you're still building audience, then keep at it. Um, because I think over time, um, those ad dollars will find their way down to you.
1: Are there any other takeaways you want to touch on from CPL or what's happening in the industry at large?
0: I think there's one thing that I think is is an interesting thing that we need to watch over the next little while. And you're talking about predictions is what is going to happen to the podcast industry with consolidation. More and more um, of the smaller podcast publishers are being Purchased by larger companies, a lot of them broadcasting companies, but not all of them broadcasting companies. But you now have in the US, you know, so much of the podcasts that are available are, you know, available through, you know, four or five major publishers. You know, on one level, that's great because it does bring scale to the business and it will help to meet the advertiser demand. Um, It will help to give podcasters that are part of that universe within the produced podcast for that publisher uh, gives them some support on a marketing level as well. It is changing the industry. Um, It's gone from being, you know, if you go back again, when I was talking about what podcasts were popular, even back in 2017, but you go back 10 years ago or 15 years ago, it went from a very kind of cottage industry dominated by public radio and had a certain cadence to it that was very different from what you hear now um, on podcasts as some of the major companies that go into it. And I think, you know, it it is obviously podcast listening keeps growing, but will it change it in such a way that it might lose some of that interest? That will be, I think, something that, uh, and it goes back to some of the things I've talked about with ad units. You know, if you start putting in lots of ad units, making it like radio, could that change the industry in a way that, could actually kind of stall that growth? Or is it even possible to really maintain that kind of special one-to-one relationship that people felt with podcasts going back, um, you know, in the days where it was either independent podcasters or, or, you know, a public radio or people coming out of public radio?
1: Right. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff, to share your insight.
0: Well, thank you, Connie. Thanks for the opportunity to chat. Always great to chat.